Welcome to Smart Software with Smart Logic, a podcast where we talk about best practices in web and mobile software development with a focus on new and emerging technologies. My name is Justice Eben, and I'll be your host today. I'm a developer at Smart Logic, a Baltimore-based consulting company that has been building custom web and mobile software applications since 2005. From the team today, I've got my co-host, Eric Ostrich. Eric, say hi. Hello, everyone. Our second season of Smart Software is on Elixir internals. So we're going to be talking about the inner workings of Elixir and also the inner workings of various Elixir libraries. So today, we're joined by the author of Elixir Script, Brian Joseph. Say hi, Brian. Hey, how's it going? Brian, we're really glad to have you on the show today. I would love it if you could introduce yourself and give us a little bit of background on where you work, how you got started with Elixir, that sort of thing. Sure. Yeah. Well, my name is Brian Joseph. I am a software developer. Um, I work at Rovery Labs um, and I'm here in New Orleans and from New Orleans, uh, New Orleans native. And uh, that's about the gist of it. You also organize a little conference, right? <laughs> uh, yeah, me and two other people, we co-organized the Big Elixir Conference, which our first year was last year in 2018, and we're doing it again in 2019. And your co-host is one of the keynote speakers. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Uh, I would applaud if I knew how it would sound on the mic. <laughs> okay, so let's let's jump right into talking a bit about Elixir Script. So like... Do you want to give us a brief background of what Elixir Script is and kind of what it does? Um, sure. So Elixir Script is an attempt to transpile, compile um, Elixir to JavaScript so that you can run it in the web. Yeah. So basically, it's an Elixir to I mean, yeah, an Elixir to JavaScript compiler, or at least it tries to be. <laughs> it does the best it can. I think a reasonable follow-up is, you know, how did you come up with the idea? Why nobody had done this before? Why did you see a need? Talk to us about getting started writing Elixir script. Yeah, so there have been a few attempts in the Erlang world. I got the idea sometime in, was it 2015 maybe? I don't really remember at this point, but um, there was a conversation on the Elixir mailing list about... um, possibly having an Elixir to JavaScript, something like similar to ClojureScript. And that's when I kind of just kind of got the idea of trying to do something. And so I had some, uh, a couple of, couple of days off and I just was looking at the JavaScript AST and I was reading Chris McCord's book, Metaprogramming uh, Elixir at the time. And that showed me like how to get to the like Elixir AST and, that's kind of how things started, just like using those two pieces of information to try to turn one thing into another thing. Later on down the line, and a version of Erlang, which it might have been Erlang 19 or 20, there was a change. I think Jose made it basically to where you can have like AST inside of the Bean files. And what that helped to do was make it so that basically you can have it to where you could use macros more easily. Because the AST that is in the Bean files, the macros have already been like expanded. And so you're just left with a somewhat basic Elixir AST. And so that's how the current version works now is that 
it takes the AST out of the beam files and tries to turn that into JavaScript, which allows you to um, do things like it makes it easier to use Elixir like libraries and packages off of Hex when you're turning your code into JavaScript. So can you talk a little bit about the architecture of the project? Because I'm having a hard time maybe like visualizing this. Uh-huh. Um, yeah. Could you step us through maybe like you write, you write Elixir that's meant to be transpiled. What happens to it? Right. So the way it works now is, let's see. Have you ever seen in a mix um, that EXS file? There is a like in the project settings, there's like an array of compilers. Like you might not see it in the default like mix project, but you would see it in like in a Phoenix project. Um, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So Elixir script is basically like a mix compiler. And so what it does is when you do mix compile in the Elixir script compiler is set up, there's some configuration with it, but basically it goes to like a certain path to like try to traverse down like and figure out like what all of the pack, the, um, the modules that you're using. Mm-hmm. And once it does that, it goes through and gets the AST for those modules and tries to convert those all into JavaScript. So at that point, it ends up in an output folder. So because of the way it works, I had to do like a Erlang compatibility layer in JavaScript because it's just converting the Elixir to JavaScript and not like Erlang itself. So that's actually where things kind of like stopped because that's the hard part is basically doing the Erlang built-in functions in JavaScript. Why is that like any different from, can you expand on that a little bit? Uh, yeah. So for instance, it depends on what JavaScript environment you're running in, which is problem number one. For instance, it's like when people think of JavaScript, you can either run it like in the web um, or you can run it like using Node. So you have those two specific like cases. But for the web, it's like like file I.O. Like how do you do file I.O. in the web? I have no idea. <laughs> so that was like one of the things. There's also the process and stuff, which I never actually got around to like figuring out completely. I guess that was that should have been like something I said in the beginning. That's the big caveat. <laughs> so yeah, it was just like environment issues. Like how do things in Erlang translate to the JavaScript runtimes? Are okay, Eric. So yeah, so I guess we kind of that just that the last little bit of uh, like processes kind of touches on like what like some of the challenges that this might face. So like yeah, like where do you even start with a project like this? You're trying to take all of Erlang or I guess Elixir and like convert it. So like what's step one for something like this? Oh, step one would be taking concepts in Elixir and translating those to concepts in JavaScript, which there's a lot of things like, you know, the uh, Erlang terms. There are a lot of things that do map one-to-one. Some things obviously don't like bit strings. At one point I was using objects for like maps, but that doesn't work out because maps in Erlang and Elixir, they can have anything as a key. But with objects, they only can be numbers, strings, and symbols. So it ended up using 
maps like that were introduced in ES6. There were things like that. The other thing was pattern matching. There is not pattern matching in JavaScript. I think at some point they were talking about like implementing pattern matching in JavaScript and uh, they should still do that because that would be nice, but they haven't. And so that was just trying to go through like all of the cases that I can think of. Just finding all like the the different types of patterns that you can do with pattern matching and then try to like figure out how to implement that in JavaScript. Yeah, because you can do some pretty crazy stuff with pattern matching. So like, did you figure out how to do like binary pattern matching in JavaScript or is that just like if it sees it, it just goes and raises an error and says, sorry, get out. Uh, No, I got all that to work. Yeah, so how did you get the binary pattern matching? Is that just, yeah. So let's see, it's been a while. It did take me a long time to implement bit strings. And this is going to be like wild speculation because it's been a while. But I think I match on like, so when a bit string is created in JavaScript, it goes through and it tries to like make like an actual like array. And I think in a pattern matching, I match against that array in some kind of way. But I did, um, so this was all separate from, from Elixir script. Like I made the processes, a node package in the pattern matching, a node package so that if people wanted to, they could use it in JavaScript. And that's all open source. Let's say everything here is open source, obviously. So yeah, if somebody wanted to check it out and use it, they could. Cool. Yeah, so I just found, it looks like it's called tailored is the pattern matching for, that's cool. Yeah. So maybe if we want to zoom out just a little bit, um, I'm curious, like, working on this project, uh, and, and now you've had time away from it, you know, if you were going to start over, Brian, would you do anything differently with either the architecture or the high level sort of, uh, you know, way that it works? Yes. So I will probably work a lot harder on trying to figure out how to shoehorn. Well, if I did it right, it wouldn't be shoehorning in, but like making processes work because Mm -hmm. I have a processes library. It works as far as I can tell, but I could never figure out the best way to add it in after the fact. Mm -hmm. And it's always driven me crazy. So yeah, that would be the first thing I would do. I think I'll work on the like the Erlang part a lot more, just getting all that um working first and then worry about putting Elixir on top of that and converting all that to JavaScript. Mm, good answer. Are there parts of Elixir script that you think would be instructive to someone who was getting started on a new Elixir library? Oh my, no. <laughs> 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 I do not think so. Like that's probably not your typical Elixir library. Like the only thing I can think of is maybe using it as an example of how to create a mixed compiler, but there's also better examples out there. But in particular, the Elixir um, repo has some examples. That's basically what I used. Um, no, no. <laughs> Pick something else. All right. You heard it here first, folks. Don't use Elixir script for inspiration. (laughs) (laughs) It's hilarious. Have you gotten to contribute any other libraries? And like, has that experience of of contributing to open source in general 
uh, influence the way that you write code? Um, yeah. So I'm going to do a bunch of stuff, like not like hardcore, but it's been like just little changes here and there I might find that I might want to help contribute back to that I know I could fix. I think it's helped me be more sympathetic or I guess when people have issues on my repos, I guess depending on like if they have like an attitude or anything like that, I try not to take it like personally, but usually people are pretty nice. That doesn't happen very often. It helps me understand both sides of the of the coin, I guess. I don't know. Okay. That's fair. Does Revelry help you at all with uh, your open source contributions? Yeah. So there are some packages I've created that that we use at Revelry, and they've helped by contributing. Like if we use it in a project and they might need some changes, they'll help contribute there. We use a lot of open source projects inside of Revelry. We create a lot of open source projects and we try to, well, just like I said, somebody might contribute back to a library I created. We do the same thing with other people's libraries. We do that all the time because basically we don't want to sit on a fork or anything like that. So if we can contribute something back, then we do it like as soon as possible. So yeah, Revelry is all about open source. Very cool. All right, so now we'll get to the section that I think Justice would like to be called Stars and PRs. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so just kind of talking about like how did Elixir script, so if you go to the GitHub for it, it's got 1,339 stars. So like what was the journey to get there? How long did it take? What did you do to like market this thing to make people know about it? That is a good question. I didn't know it was that high until recently. Let's see. I didn't try to market it hard, but I did like post about it, either the mailing list or on Elixir forum when that came around. So those are places I would post updates on like my Twitter and use the right hashtag magic or as an Elixir status. So I'll do a posting there. I did also speak at ElixirCon 2015 and at Lone Star Elixir, I think in 2017. So work kind of got around that way. I do know Jose mentioned me and Elixir script in his keynote maybe a year or two ago when he made that change in Erlang that made it so that the Elixir AST was in the Beam files. So I think all of that kind of came together and made it popular. Although I don't know if anybody's using it, which is why like when I kind of slowed down on working on it and nobody noticed, I'm like, okay. <laughs> I don't know how many people are using it, but it has a lot of stars. So, Yeah, I mean, that kind of goes into the next question of if you know of anyone out there that might be using this in production, is that exciting? Um, I think at this point it would be scary, but no, I don't know of anybody using it in production. And whenever, like, this happened a couple of times, like somebody will say a thing about Elixir in JavaScript. I try to, like... If I see it, I'll point them to Elixir script because it does a lot of things. I think if people used it, that would help give more feedback to figure out like what would make people use it. Is it useful now? How is it useful now? How is it not useful now? Those kinds of things. Just any kind of feedback. I genuinely hope someone listening to this comes out of the woodwork and admits to using it in production and hits you with some some valuable feedback. Brian, it sounds like you know you haven't really been working on it as much. You want to just talk a little bit about like the state of the project and like where you see it going? So I haven't been working on that part. 
I did do some work on the processes JavaScript library recently. And one of the things that drove me crazy with that was trying to figure out, because it was running and I, I made like a, I made a scheduler and it was basically just a loop and it was doing its thing. It was working okay, but um, I wanted it to be a little better. So the change I made recently, like in the last couple of months, made it to where you can like plug in different kinds of schedulers and the default one being one that uses request animation frame. And that helped tremendously. Like there's a demo that's on the repo or maybe it's hidden in the, somewhere in the, in the documentation. I'll have to the, I just loaded a uh, link from the readme uh-huh. that's got a whole bunch of changing numbers. Yeah, Is that the, yeah. So that, that made me happy. So basically I've just been focusing on like the pieces and, Maybe that would be helpful to people. As far as where I see it going, uh, I don't know. I'll let the community decide that. So I think this was the last Elixir Conf. It had been the year before. But there was like talk of starting the Beam in WebAssembly. Like, have you looked at that at all or thought about it Like for something similar? I've definitely looked at it and, and thought about it. And... I ultimately like think that is one thousand percent the way to go, but I I also know that that's hard. So yeah, but no, I think that's the way to go. I think that is the way to go for a lot of languages is is WebAssembly. All right, I guess to start wrapping up a bit, we let's let's talk about the big elixir. So like, what makes the big elixir different than every other con? Well, first, it's in New Orleans, and I'm here, so yay. But I'll also be at ElixirConf this year. I'm finally not afraid of flying. But it's one of the reasons I created, like, helped create the, the big Elixir, because I was like, I don't like to fly, so I want people to come here. But I, I think I'm over the whole fear of flying thing. But uh, what makes it unique is it's in New Orleans. It's, we have, like, the New Orleans atmosphere. We have themes every year or at least we have for like last year and for this year and i am really excited for the theme this year and we've been getting a lot of really good talks and i think it's going to be it's going to be a great conference it's going to be so good i can't wait yeah so i went last year and one thing that i really liked was the le petite theater i think that was a really cool venue they like broadcast the New Orleans Elixir Wizard or Alchemist or whatever he is like up on the wall. So that was cool. Yeah, it was a nice atmosphere, I think. Yeah, so. it's a really nice place. Um, we picked it because a friend of mine, uh, Eric Norman, he had a closure conference there last year, earlier in the year. And he had it there and it seemed like a really nice venue. So we decided to have it there as well. And it's going to be there again this year. Um, and I think... Me and my co-organizers are wondering how the stage is going to look this year because we're always doing it around the same time as the orchestra. And last year we were worried because they was going to open up the orchestra pit and they didn't at the last minute. But this year, I think they are. So we'll see what happens. I want to like bill it as like the only conference with a pit. So we'll see what happens. <laughs> That's pretty amazing. Well, I guess we'll have to get like a play some classical music from Alphamat while everyone's giving talks to <laughs> make the pit worth it, right? Idea. So I guess some, some basic stats about Big Elixir, like when is it? So it'll be November 7th and 8th, which is around 
around Veterans Day. I think Veterans Day is like the next week, so it might be a good three-day weekend. But yeah, November 7th and 8th in New Orleans, La Petite Theater again. And please come. It'll be very fun and very, very rewarding. And you'll meet a lot of nice people. You'll enjoy the culture of New Orleans. It's going to be awesome. Yeah, and um, I guess we teased at the theme or mentioned that there was a theme, but didn't actually say what it was, I think. So what what is the theme for this year? So the theme this year is Emerging Elixir. So we're just trying to see, like, where have people taken, you know, Elixir, Erlang, and, and the Beam? Like, how far have they stretched it? Like, what are the limits? What are all the things it can do that maybe you wouldn't think about? Internally, we've been, like, trying to think of it like maybe almost kind of strange lupus, so like strange strange loop of elixir conferences. So I think that's why I'm excited because uh, people have definitely, like the submissions we've gotten based on the theme have been like pretty cool. And I think we're going to have a hard time figuring out which talks to bring in. But that's a good thing. Yeah, and I think this is going to air after the CFP is closed, unfortunately. So... Hopefully, by the time this comes out, we're close or speakers have already been announced. <laughs> Guys, this is the tail end of our time here. I've really enjoyed the, the discussion. I'm really glad that we got to have this conversation, Brian. I want to give you the opportunity, Brian, to say, you know, make any final requests or plugs, asks for the audience, links to social media, anything like that. Now's your opportunity. Okay. Uh, I should prepare for this. So... So I would say I'm most active on Twitter. My handle is BrianJOS, which is basically where I am everywhere. Instagram, Twitter, all those other things that exist. Plugs, I think, let's see. I know a lot of people use another library of mine called Geo, which is like a geospatial library. And it's in pretty good shape, but I'm wondering like who's out there is using it. Just, just for my like personal, I just want to know who's using it. Like, I know some companies, but I don't know if I can say it out loud, but I <laughs> I want them to talk so I can, I can say it out loud. Let's see. I'll plug Revelry, which hey. is a, yeah, which is a consultancy that I work for. We have offices in New Orleans, Chicago, kind of have one in Dallas, and mostly an Elixir shop, but we also, we do a lot of things. Web, IoT, mobile. So yeah, if you need something, let us know. I want to also plug, I'll plug two uh, boot camps. So one of them is Operation Spark, which is a coding boot camp in New Orleans. And they have a really good track record. Um, I've worked with a lot of graduates there. I used to volunteer there some years ago, but I've worked with a lot of people who have graduated from there and they've all been really awesome. And then I want to also plug uh, Flatiron which I've also worked with a lot of good people that have came from there. So I just want to give a shout out to those two coding boot camps. Great. Brian Joseph, thank you so much for joining us today. It was a really an honor, a privilege, and a pleasure. Well, once again, everybody, this has been Smart Software with Smart Logic talking about Elixir internals. Join us next time for more conversation on Elixir and the Elixir libraries that you love. We're out. <laughs>